Hey, hey, welcome back. Thank you so much for everyone who's been here before. And if you're just joining us, thank you for coming along for the ride. Um, a few bits of admin to address before getting into this week's interview. Um, it's been an eventful couple weeks since I last published. When I last published, you may recall, I asked if there was anyone who could help me with a few things around uh, around this old place. Um, and I got a response. I now have a social media manager. Her name is Faith Yen, and she fucking rocks. Faith told me a few weeks ago that People were talking about my shit on Instagram, and I didn't even know it. I had fucking forgotten that I had a goddamn Instagram account. So I went back, and I learned about it. And apparently, yeah, people have been talking about my shit. Uh, so thank you for talking about it. Uh, I love y'all, and thank you, Faith, for getting involved. We're going to try and uh, you know conquer the world on the, uh, on the Instagrams and the, and the Twitters and the other shit. Thank you, Faith. Today's episode is with Hey Nam Gehring, and I'm delighted to have this interview. I think it's really valuable and really interesting. And we talk about a lot of stuff. Um, I don't even know how to how to describe this, but um, yeah, you want to talk about child abuse in the Unification Church? This is the episode where we dive into that. Um, there's a lot happening here. I need to say that... Um, you know, anytime you interview someone, there's there's always just a bit of you know X factor, a bit of a bit of chemistry, and you never know what's going to happen. In listening to this, I feel like the first twenty minutes or so are kind of slow, um, as we're just kind of getting into it. But from minute twenty twenty two, it accelerates super fast, and we talk about a lot of interesting stuff. So, um, I will admit, I am new to this interview game. And I will hold my hands up and say if it's not as engaging as it could be from the beginning, that's on me, not on my guest, because this shit gets good, really good at around minute 22. So feel free to um, to fast forward if you'd like. Um, I was thinking about the episode names for this. One of the early contenders was American Jail or Korean Jail. I thought that was a good one. But then I got to the bit. <laughs> where we talk about uh Jesus's wife who is still left here on earth and the fact that she may still be living in certain places. Yeah, that happened. Um honestly just listen to this and thank you so much for Hanom for getting involved. This is really interesting. We talk about relationships. We kind of go a level deeper in terms of what the psyche of the church has meant for him and I as as young-ish men. Well, me anyway. He's a lot younger than me. Uh Growing up and growing out of this and trying to make her own way. But first, a bio of Hainam. Hainam Gehring was born in 1985 as a second-generation unificationist. The second of five kids, he grew up in North New Jersey in a small town called Nutley. Like most of his friends, his parents were married in Madison Square Garden at the Blessing, also known as the Mass Wedding, in 1982. For those who've been paying attention, there were over 2,000 other couples, um, married on that same day. His time in the church brought him to places like Korea, Brazil, Australia, Trinidad, and Italy. 
and it likely also gave him the travel bug as he has continued traveling the world long after leaving the church. He is currently single and enjoying adjusting to a new life in Portland, finally fulfilling his lifelong dream of living on the West Coast. I have to say that last bit about living in Portland is very recent. I recorded this interview with Hainam on the 9th of January, and I'm recording this introduction on the 15th of March, and he has just moved to Portland in the last week or so. Here it is, the interview with Hainam Gehring. Whatever, 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 whatever you'd like, whatever you'd like. Um, uh, hey, Nam, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem, no problem. Um, I guess, I guess, to kick things off, I, I have a few questions that I like to start things off with. One of the, one of the, the usual ones is just kind of where you're born and where you grew up and stuff. But actually, even, I want to start even before that. Uh, so I, I want to talk about. If, if we can, I want to ask you about your name. Uh, so uh, your name is Hainam. Um, but yes. I guess to, the question is effectively, okay, so where are your parents from uh, and how did you get your name? Okay. So. Um, and the, the reason I, I, sorry, the reason, the reason I ask is because I, because I kind of know the answer, but I want other people to, to hear it basically. Uh-huh. Uh, Cause it's a, it's a common story for kids like us. Yeah, so um, it's the Korean name. My mom's from Japan. My dad's uh, from America. Yes. And um, a lot of times we get named by other people. So I was named by someone who went to jail with True Father. What was his name? You know. Oh, we were talking about that. Sorry. True Father being Reverend Moon. Let's just just clarify that. Uh, the guy who went to jail, I think that you're talking, you're not that you're talking about jail in Korea as opposed to jail in the U S no American jail. Okay. I think it was Kamiyama. Kamiyama. I think, so I think that's who named me. Okay. Okay. We are 90 seconds in here and I already need to state something. Hainam has just talked about the fact that he was named by someone named Kamiyama who went to jail with Reverend Moon. That is because Reverend Moon has gone to jail multiple times throughout his life, at least once in the U.S., multiple times in Korea, as far as I know. The time in the U.S., it was for tax evasion in the 80s. And for all of us who grew up in the Moonies, we were told that the tax evasion charges were simply evidence of a conspiracy against Reverend Moon and his followers. Does that sound familiar to you? And that's not even the craziest thing about this conversation. Listen to what's next. Uh, but my sister and all my siblings, all their names begin with hey also. Okay. And they were named by Jesus's wife on earth right now. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Like um, she's married to Jesus's spirit. And Wait, is, that, is this Damo name or someone else? Because I can never no, get all no. these spiritual folks. Damonim is Mrs. Moon's no, yeah, Mrs. Moon's mother's spirit is living in Damonim, I think. Okay. okay. I, but this is Jesus's wife, or okay. this lady was married to Jesus's spirit. Okay, so let's just let's just be really clear. So there's a a, a, a living woman 
who, according to the Unification Church, has been married to Jesus, who is obviously yeah. dead and in the spirit world. And this oh. living woman gave your siblings their names. Okay. And when, sorry, I'm just processing that. Um, what, <laughs> sorry, okay. Um, roughly when did that happen? Like we're talking, I'm guessing this would, would have been like late 80s, early 90s, something like that when that happened? Yeah, late 80s, early 90s. Okay, okay. And if we just go back, I mean, those are both really interesting topics of conversation. So yeah, like, let's go back to, are you the oldest in your family? I'm the second oldest, uh, okay. but I, I don't know if I mentioned all our names begin with hey. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty common for, not common, but a lot of Mooney families will have like some part of their name in everyone's name. Yeah. Um, kind yeah. of sucks, but. <laughs> I know, I, I know a lot of people like that. Um, and I know, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. Like you're, you know, your mother's Japanese and yet all of your, all of you kids have Korean names. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And I, I know other people like of all nationalities that have been given Korean names. And it sucks. Cause, uh, I mean, we all have normal middle names, hmm. you know, my middle name's John, <laughs> you know, for some reason I went by Hey Nam and here did, we are. Did you go by uh, John, John, when you were growing up, like when you were in school? No, I went by John a little bit when I was living in Australia. I just thought it'd be okay. easier. Yeah. All right. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. And yeah, just I just want to go back to that um, Kamiyama thing. So th- uh, this is not something that I, I've spoken about in great detail uh, with any interviewees so far, but uh, Sun Mo Moon went to jail for tax evasion in, uh, I think it was the early 80s, uh, Danbury, Connecticut. He served a few years uh, and he went to jail along with one of his lieutenants, uh, someone named, I don't know his first name, but his last name was Kamiyama. Um mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that's really interesting that that guy, that's the guy who, who gave you your name. Um, what the hell, man? <laughs> that's just crazy. Did, did, wait, did he give it to you while he was in jail? Or I have no idea. Okay. I, I, you know, I have no idea. Okay. I think they were out by then, but. Okay. All right. All right. Wow. Okay. Uh, that's a whole, Jesus, it's a whole other story. Um, Okay, so let's go back. Sorry, I wanted I wanted to, to start with that just because yeah, I wanted to to, to shed to shed some light on that topic. Um, but if we go back, can can you just help the the listeners understand sort of uh, where where you were born, when you were born, and sort of where where you where you spent your your childhood? Yeah, so I was born in Maine, but I was there for like a week. I think my dad was a church leader up there. Okay, but then he moved to. Uh, back with his parents in Long Island and then was a baby in like New York City but then basically lived in Jersey okay for like four on so okay okay so your so your childhood was kind of spent in in Jersey and the I, yeah. I take it okay and that's like in the suburbs of New York effectively okay but it was also it was a town that had a lot of moonies not not a lot a lot but like okay relatively speaking you know there's maybe four or five in each grade, something like that. Okay. Oh, that's a lot. I don't know what year. Yeah. Kind that's of. A, well, I mean, for, for, 
you know, compared to my experience anyway, where there was like hardly any in my entire school, most of, most mm-hmm. of the time there might've been one in another grade for like mm-hmm. one, one year or something like that. So, mm-hmm. um, did kids know you were Moonies? Was that, was that like, a? no, man, that's like, <laughs> you live in fear of people figuring that shit out. Yeah. And I like, it kind of affects your life a lot. Like I remember one of my friends, admitted to being a Mooney and I was friends with him. So then people start questioning me. I was like, oh, oh man, man, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, like you don't want people coming over your house because you got weird Mooney trinkets and stuff. And like, yeah. you have a lot of pictures of your grandparents, which yeah. are your grandparents, which, you yeah. know, Reverend Sunga Moon and his wife. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, I was talking about that with someone else. Like, for, yeah, if you're if you're Asian, you could tell people it was your it was your grandparents. If you're if you're not Asian, you you, you can't. Uh, so mm-hmm. for me, unfortunately, I couldn't I couldn't use that excuse. Uh, I had to just I don't know, it was just way embarrassing, man, super embarrassing. Uh, I also lived in fear of people finding out, and they they found out um, through various means. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's oh well, yeah that's 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 an interesting experience, and so it sounds like you kind of. We, you at least you had a bit of a community growing up there in that in that area. North Jersey's pretty dense in general. Okay. I guess the closer you are to like Westchester, yeah, there's there's just like a lot of families around that area because that's where they lived. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and uh, w- when were you born? Eighty five. Eighty five. Okay. So did you go? Um, like, did you spend time at the the moon at the like the moons? Uh, you know, compounds and villas in in Westchester. Yeah, a lot. I mean, those are some of like the good memories. Oh, really? Okay. Going to going to speeches. Like, I mean, it's shitty to wake up at like four o'clock in the morning on Sunday and drive to Westchester. Yeah. And but, like your parents are listening to the speech. You're like seven years old, running around with your friends, and it's like yeah, like, you get to see your friends from other towns and other parts of the state. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, that shit's fun. Okay. Uh, it's a beautiful property. I don't know if you know that, like they're uh, they like rent it out for weddings now and stuff. Yeah, for for non-money weddings. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's on a TV show now as well, or it's been on a couple of TV shows. Really? Uh, yeah, um, it's in. I, it was a show a couple of years ago on Netflix. Uh, it's kind of like a murder mystery. I forget what it was called, but it, that the whole that the Belvedere property uh, like featured prominently in it. I forget. I forget what the show was. I could look it up, but. Yeah, so they're making use of it. Do you know if anyone still lives there? Like, does do, do do church members live there? Do, do any members of Moon's family still live there? I think Jesus's wife still lives there. <laughs> She's alive. I don't know. She might be dead. You know, but she was definitely living there for a while. And he visits apparently. Oh, Jesus comes to what? He, he comes to spend the night. That's what they literally they say that. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I've I've heard like True Father give speeches where he's like basically implying that jesus was with her last night oh my god so, so gross. gross he makes everything gross <laughs> yeah i mean he always uh, made things like sexual um but that's gross man that's oh uh, that's disgusting what the hell man yeah and this woman's korean right i'm i'm, I'm guessing like i think she has to be right because it's yeah. kind of like that whole thing yeah there's this racial hierarchy where you have to be korean to be like close to the to the moon family to be married into them you have to be you have to mm-hmm. be korean yeah Ugh, that's gross <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> um 
so what can you can you tell it can you tell us more kind of about your your upbringing like so that's interesting that that you, you know you say you have like pretty good memories of going to that going to that property because other people i speak to have like very different uh memories or, or different different experiences um but i'm just kind of curious like what are some of the the what are some of the like what are some of the worst memories for, of, of, of that time period? Like, like what, what kind of, what kind of sticks out uh, as sort of church church related stuff that wasn't so good growing up? Um, I think while it was all happening, I felt it was all good. And then mm-hmm. looking back, it's kind of like you realize how traumatic some of this shit is. Okay. Um, uh, does anything, does anything like strike you as like particularly traumatic from those like early years? And actually, I should ask you, like, what did your what did your parents do for a living? Like, were they were they around? Uh, well, my parents, were, my dad was definitely not around much. Um, his job was for the church. Okay, he would basically organize service projects in different countries. Okay, so he'd be gone for like six weeks at a time or whatever it was. Okay, you know? okay. So, so you know that kind of sucks. And like, I don't know if any, uh, like my sister, she was like dropped off at. Was it Jacob's house? Like this yeah. property? I think it's in Belvedere. Yeah. Uh, and she was basically raised by Japanese women for yeah. the first like couple of years of her life. Yeah. So my mom would be working in Virginia. Yeah. And she'd come up and visit when she could, but other than like you know she was working for the church down there. So yeah, it's wild, man. The things they subject us to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's common. I, yeah. I've, so that happened to my sister as well. My older sister, she lived in that place for a couple of years. Um, kind of similar story, parents working, they'd come up and visit her when they could, but yeah, she was taken care of by strangers effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also one thing that I've learned. And I think I've mentioned this in another one of my interviews is that that's actually not a, it's not unique to this cult. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. you know, other cults will employ a similar tactic of, um, you know, finding like centralized, centralized childcare places for their kids uh, so that the parents are then free to go and do whatever mission work the church tells them to do effectively. Um, So I think it's just another example of the UC just kind of following the, the, the tried and true playbook of, of cult members around the world. Um, There's nothing in my view, there's nothing particularly unique about them. They've just kind of, you know, remixed some of the various components into, into their own. So you mentioned uh, just kind of talking about some of those, uh, those components, you mentioned kind of, you know, waking up at four in the morning to go up to, to, to Belvedere. Um, did you do that? And can you just kind of walk people through why, like why four and like, like, you know, what, what, what was happening there? Yeah, so because you definitely need to be there by five. You probably want to get there before five so you can get a seat like inside yeah. the room. Basically, when when some young moon is in town, he's going to give a speech at five in the morning. Yeah. And everyone who lives within like three or four hours is going to drive there yeah. and try to listen to him speak. Yeah. And he might speak for four or five hours. He might speak for 14 hours. He's like, yeah. I don't know what, but... Uh, you know, it's it's kind of fun. It kind of sucks. I mean, it definitely sucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, regardless, every Sunday we're waking up at five or a quarter to five to do pledge, which is yeah. just praying at five in the morning. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. 
that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember, I mean, well, yeah, my family did pledge every every Sunday at five. Um, and we also, every now and then, like, we would go up to Belvedere. So we, I grew up in D.C., so we'd drive, like, five hours, like, through the night mm-hmm. to go to Belvedere. Um, it didn't happen often that we drove that far, um, but it did, it did happen. And then every now and then, like, you know, Reverend Moon would like come down to DC and it was mm-hmm. like a really big deal because he'd be speaking at the church there in DC mm-hmm. and we would go there and kind of similar to you, we like, he would just speak for hours and hours and us kids would just be like left to roam the halls and kind of, you know, fend for ourselves and hopefully have some fun along the way. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, we just, we didn't, we didn't see him that much. I think, I think, I think the folks that grew up in New York or like the, the greater NY area, like were more exposed to him and his family. They were just there more basically. Yeah, definitely. The closer you are uh, and the more exposure you have, like you're a little bit more like people that grew up in Maryland, I find are more normal. They start <laughs> drinking, they start drinking at an earlier age. They like, as a whole, they're a bit more normal than the people that are closer to like Westchester. Yeah. So if you're like in Irvington or in Terrytown, like yeah, you're really like in it. You know, okay. you're okay. you're very involved all the time. Like, but um, that's just what I've noticed. Like me and my friends all started drinking and doing all that kind of stuff pretty late. Yeah. Okay. 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 Interesting. Interesting. Um. Yeah, I hadn't quite made that connection, but I think you're right. Um, that probably the further you are away from the like the nexus of the or the mecca of the organization, probably the the more likely you are to to do activities that you know could lead you to drift away effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, you may, just kind of kind of hopping around here for a second. You mentioned Maryland. Are you are you in Maryland now? I just just want to give people a sense of kind of where you're calling in from. Yeah, I'm uh, like 20 minutes from Baltimore. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. And how long have you been there? About a year and a, a little bit more than a year. Okay. Okay. Can you, if we, if we kind of think about, think about you and kind of your journey through the, through the church, I guess, can you kind of help, help me understand kind of what got you to the point of leaving the church? But I, I actually, no, no, let's, let's take it. Let's, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But what I want to talk about, about your, your earlier experiences, because, um, you know, when we were doing the prep call for this interview, you mentioned that you, um, you had spent some time going to various church programs around the world. Um, one of them was the GOP program that I was in, in 94, 95. Um, and you must've been there a few years later, effectively. Uh, and so mm-hmm. for listeners that don't know, this is a sort of a program for, 13, 14 year olds where they send you to Korea for a year. Uh, you live in a dorm with a bunch of other kids, basically. Um, I, I'm just kind of curious, like, what do you remember of that, of that program? What are, what are your overarching feelings about it? Yeah. I mean, it's something I really wanted to do for uh, a long time and okay. uh, I was really excited about it. Okay. And and why was and, that? Uh, my sister went. Okay. So, and, you know, I just heard a lot of good things. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was cool. It's a good experience to be able to live in uh, Seoul when you're like 13. Yeah. Um, looking back, I don't know if I would have gone. I mean, I still have a lot of friends from that time. Yeah. But uh, I think that set me back um, 
like developmentally like i don't mm. think i recovered from i don't i think i was kind of normal before i went there yeah and then i went there you know you're in a mooney situation 24 7 you know and then you're done with that and then you go into high school yeah and you're kind of like you know like i don't think i talked to any girls when i was in high school you know like mm. in my high school you know yeah. i would talk to mooney girls on the internet or whatever, mm. you know like yeah uh, i feel like because there's a there's strong brother and sister vibe when you go to cop right like, yeah they even call the girls sisters the boys brothers right yeah and um i don't know i think that fucked me up for a while yeah not everyone like a lot of people leave that place normal you know mm. but, uh every, everyone gets affected by things differently i guess yeah yeah who were the who were the dorm parents while you were there and we, we can we can take that we can take the names out later okay all right yeah they were they were there when i was there as well uh, yeah yeah um they they actually overlapped well we had two sets of dorm parents there's another set that was it was like their last year uh and they were overlapping with it to like prepare them for what the mm -hmm. we're gonna do so we had we had two sets of dorm parents um but yeah the, yeah the, i don't, I don't want to talk shit so i don't know if i have much to say at all okay about okay them. okay all right it's fair that's fair uh um i think yeah i've thought about my experience there and i i don't know if it necessarily i, I think my whole upbringing like definitely set me back developmentally i don't know if korea that time in korea necessarily did it like more or less than any than anything else i do know that i really set back my education um because i basically didn't do any of the curriculum that i was meant to do for you know real school while i was there because we were just learning korean the whole time yeah yeah exactly yeah i definitely went back to school feeling kind of not confident in my education yeah or in anything okay. yeah yeah i know how that goes i know how that goes um and then Okay, so you yeah you went to you went to Korea. I think I think you mentioned you've been to a couple other places to sort of to the the workshop center in Chungpyeong. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did Chungpyeong. Has anyone come on here and talked about Chungpyeong yet? We've done a little bit, but not much. Uh, so would love to he just just tell us about it because I know it's bonkers. Um, yeah, that place is nuts, man. <laughs> so basically, the it's another one of those, the leader of Chumpyung is a lady who has a spirit that lives inside of her like five days a week or something like that. Sorry, I just got to dive in here. This is fucking hilarious. You got a woman who claims that she's got the spirit of someone living inside of her and what a goddamn coincidence. She happens to only work five days a week. She follows the constructs of the modern labor movement. How fucking stupid is this whole goddamn shit? So it's the Messiah's wife's mother. The Messiah's wife's dead mother lives inside of this woman. Okay. So then we go there. We go to these great big like halls and like someone beats a drum and there's like dancers on the stage and everyone's singing this one song repetitively in a rhythm. And they're smacking different body parts. So everyone's smacking their arm at the same time. 
and everyone's smacking their head at the same time and everyone's smacking their crotch at the same time. Mm-hmm. And all these are supposed to be releasing spirits from that part of your body. So when you're smacking your crotch, you're releasing sexual spirits, spirits that are giving you sexual thoughts. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the only one they ever explained, like, but you hit your head. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. what's it on your arm? What kind of, what kind of, what kind of spirits are on your shoulder? Yeah. And so that was like, you know, you do that like maybe for an hour and a half to two hours, three times a day. Yeah. Uh, for 40 wow. days. And then you have one, like, uh, there's one at the end before you're done with your 40 days where, like, you partner up with one person and they kind of beat the shit out of you for, like, 40 minutes. And oh my God. people bleed. It's, oh. you know, it's pretty fucked up. But. Um, like, with, with your fists? Or, like, like, like. No, it's open hands. But, like, you know, obviously, like, the harder you hit, the more, like, hardcore of a Mooney you feel, right? Or the more you could handle the more like purifying you, you think you're doing. So like, yeah, people get fucked up from that. Man, like how bad? Um, I don't know. I know people, I've seen people like bleed through their shirts for sure. Okay. So like bleeding through your shirt from like an open hands. Cause so it's like, yeah. you might hit the same spot for like 10 minutes or whatever. You so know? you could get hit like, you know, a couple hundred times the same, like get slapped yeah. on the same spot a couple hundred times basically. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's pretty oh. fucked up. Like you see, like, because in the church they relate everything to like a spiritual problem, right? So if you have like a kid with like a mental illness, as a parent, you're gonna go to Chumpion. Yeah. And then so you see these parents like hitting like their, you know, their children. That it's it's obviously like it's not a spiritual thing. It's a physical thing. It's a genetic thing, and. These kids are crying and it's fucked up. Oh my god! You're not gonna be able to hit hit this out of them. You know what I mean? But, oh my god! So you saw that? Yeah, yeah. And then there's also like uh, there was like a whole hospital there, like a whole like okay. I guess it was like a mental hospital, and people would go there. And what sucks is when you're in a church or a cult, like they can just they they misdiagnose mental illness with being spiritually open. Yeah. Right. And so people aren't getting their proper treatment. They're getting sent to a fucking workshop in the middle of the mountains in Korea instead of accepting that they have an an actual issue that needs medication and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it's pretty fucked up. And not to mention that, like, you're paying a bunch of money to, to go to these places like, you're paying for this gigantic palace. I mean, you can Google this palace, yeah. Chongpyeong Training Center yeah. in Korea. And uh, I mean, it is gigantic. It is, you, you have to see it. It's mm-hmm. like, and I mean, I helped, anyone who would go there would help like labor, you know, like we would move shit for it, like bricks or like stuff like that. But, um, I mean, they would do a lot of wacky shit there. Like, they would do wish ceremonies, right, where you pay, like, 50 bucks and you get, like, one a one-time wish. Okay. Wish for whatever you want. You know, just money grabs, tax-free money grabs everywhere. Wow. Um, oh, there's a whole, yeah. So, Ancestor Liberation, right? Yeah, yeah. Those, so, tell me about that. So, you're pay, you, you basically you pay a bunch of money. Maybe it's, like, $2,600 to liberate, like, 
I don't know, 20 generations back of your ancestors. Yeah. So your ancestors are in hell because they're not Moonies yet, right? So you need to pay money to get them out of hell. So people go to Chumpyon and there's just these lines, like the lines to pay. You know, I, I waited like four or five hours to hand in my envelope of money. And so it's like cash. Every, that's it's like an envelope yeah, of cash. Yeah. So Whoa. I mean, that's just ta- I mean it's a it's a religion anyway, right? So they're not yeah. getting really taxed. And it's just it's an insane money grab. Whoa. And so how much was in your envelope? I don't know because it was my parents. Okay. You know. Okay. I've given money to the church, but not in a, in like gross amounts. But like yeah. all of our parents gave too much, right? Like, yeah, big time. I I'm sure my parents did. Um yeah, and I, I just wanna I wanna come back to this chunking thing, but just so people that like are aware, like basically our parents were told that they needed to tithe, at least from what what I what I remember, they needed to tithe uh 10% of their pre-tax income to the church uh that was like the minimum uh other people were told more i know in japan they were told like 30 or 50 percent or something like that um yeah uh but and that was just like the baseline like every month that was what you were meant to pay but then mm-hmm. they had all this other shit like you got to go to chungpyong to you know spend 2600 and that was probably the minimum there you could probably do it times three or four or ten or whatever yeah i mean so many families if you did better you would donate more you know yeah I mean, but moody families they're struggling all around to begin with yeah you know but um the japanese definitely get fucked over like even in chumpang everything is like three times more really than, like the donate yeah it's it's always it's always bad oh man yeah. what and it's, what so they have like a price list and it's like the u.s price and the japanese price yeah there's three x in japan yeah it's basically like that the japanese have no to pay way i knew they had to pay a lot more i didn't know if it was ever like explicitly in writing yeah, I, I don't know if it was in right. I mean, it's definitely there's like an official whatever that that they had to pay more. Yeah, and what the rate was, I don't know, but I know that it was like very bad. Yeah, fuck, man, that's crazy. I had, I mean, so I, I went I went to Chungpyong during my gap year, and th- this was like this was, this was in '94, and we went there for like a day or maybe a night, and there was nothing there. It was like a campsite. They were just building it there. Mm. Uh, and then I went there again in 98, maybe 97, 98. And mm-hmm. I think I was only there for three days. Uh, but, but in those, you know, in, in those, you know, five, five years in the middle, it just ballooned into this big operation. And that was, you know, 22 years ago now. So 23 years. And that ago was before now. the palace. Cause I, yeah, that was before the palace. Yeah. In 99. And it was still like this beautiful place with like these gigantic buildings yeah. But then they build a fucking five years later, six years later, they build a fucking palace on the side of the mountain. Yeah. And I mean, that's where our ancestor money's going, right? Yeah, exactly. It's pretty fucking obvious where that money's going. <laughs> um, so. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away by the, like the thought of that mental hospital there. And the, I mean, parents beating their kids to try to cure them. Yeah. And it sucks. Cause like, obviously there's going to be a lot of, uh mental issues within like uh second generation of a cult because mm-hmm. a lot of first gen had mental issues which is why they joined a cult yeah you know um so it's, and even if you take that out just growing up in a cult is going to cause more mental yeah, issues it's going to cause it's going to cause yeah yeah um fuck man that's horrible like how old are these kids i mean these are kids like eight 
you know i mean it could be any age i mean like it could be like a fully grown person but oh. that's mentally like young you know what i mean like yeah i mean yeah it's it's shitty man but they'll do it whatever they can to get money yeah they don't care they yeah. cut off the whole you know once you're able to like i don't know get these people to like be your slave for you yeah like i don't know they're wants to do whatever yeah i know well yeah that's the thing once you once you like convince them to you know give you absolute faith absolute love and absolute obedience which is exactly mm-hmm. literally verbatim what reverend moon demanded from his followers then yeah. you're you, you you know you got you, you you got them by the balls you can control them and yeah people will do this crazy shit mm-hmm. um you know and i think they slowly ramped it up because like chumpyong wasn't okay. really a thing when my parents joined right like mm. they didn't know they're going to be going off to some boot camp in the middle no. of korea you know what i mean yeah um so you know it starts off with lectures and like you think you're doing some world peace shit yeah and then it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder yeah and then you know it's once you're in it you, you know yeah you're start, in it's like you say yes to more and more and more and then you'll say yes to anything yeah yeah exactly and again just going back to one point i made earlier like that's like classic cult behavior it's like that that's just mm-hmm. like that's just that that's that's the playbook basically mm-hmm. uh you start small and you keep asking for more and more and more and then all of a sudden you convince people to dedicate their whole lives to you i just need to jump in here and i'd like to ask anyone who's still involved in this movement to reflect on what's just been said and think about this this movement has families that are struggling to survive financially and yet it charges them extremely high amounts of money so that they can build palaces slash hospitals where they will house mentally ill children and beat those children as opposed to giving them proper mental care. Is that something that you want to be a part of? Because that's what this is, and that's only a small part of what this whole thing is. If someone had told you when they approached you on the street about this world peace movement that this is what you would be doing, would you accept the invitation? Think about that. Like back to Chumpyong, like a random thing that happened to me in my life was one summer my parents both went for 40 days there to become national messiahs. I don't know. um, Can you, yeah, can you explain what that is? Yeah, so I guess a lot of people volunteered to become national messiahs, meaning you get assigned a country and your family would then move there yeah so my so a bunch of families went to a bunch of parents went to champion and they are all like randomly assigned a country um while they're in champion they had to do like a seven-day fast and all this kind of crazy shit mm-hmm. but um my family's country was sierra leone and since it was yeah since it was so bad in a civil yeah. war yeah we could never move there yeah like but, just so and then it just kind of like some families happened. did right they just got randomly oh, assigned a, fa- oh, a country yeah. and then boom they went yeah 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 so like that's the kind of thing like you're willing to do when your your head space is in a cult right like yeah. you're willing to uproot your family and move them anywhere yeah. in the world just because they need some volunteers to do this yeah yeah exactly um yeah that i, I that reminds me yeah my my parents were uh 
they were assigned <laughs> Papua New Guinea. Um, mm. And uh, I remember they were like, well, we're not moving there. <laughs> so we're going to buy a book about it. And uh, we're going to like donate some money to whatever local church stuff is happening there. But like, we're, we're not moving there. Um, so, and I think some families, I think like my parents uh, basically like, I, uh, like both my parents are handicapped basically. So they mm. could kind of use that. I think maybe that's the one way they could justify it. They're like, look, there's just no way we can like physically live there. Um, so, uh, you know, whatever. I'm glad I didn't move to Papua New Guinea when I was 13 or whatever. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't grow up in Sierra Leone, <laughs> but I was fully sure that I was going to move there. You know, like really? when I was in GOP, like I, is mentally preparing myself to like, I don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to happen, but you know, it didn't happen. And I think a lot of people kind of just kind of forgot about their, like, I don't know what the percentage of the people that actually ended up going was. Yeah. I think once they got their country, like, Oh yeah. Well, that was the thing. A lot of, some people took it super seriously and they, yeah, they moved to these countries and then other people just were like, no, like no thing. Kind of did what my parents did. Like maybe donate mm-hmm. some money, like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, my dad did go there a bunch. He's, okay. He went there, but like his work can kind of, you know, he could he could organize a project there or something. Right. Okay. So he would he would go a lot, but okay. Okay. Jesus, man. What the hell? Um, and then if we just kind of like shift gears, like going from like Chungpyong, you mentioned you spent time in Jardim as well, right? Uh, yeah. So what was that like? That was fun, man. That's probably the funnest thing a child can do. Okay. Because you're like, it's in Brazil. It's in the rainforest, essentially in Brazil. It's like almost like a commune. So then you, it's people from all over the world, all over the country, all over the world. And, you know, the parents are listening to lectures all day. The kids are just fucking fooling around. Okay you know, in a rainforest. So you yeah. go fishing, play soccer, you know, you go on these little hikes by the river, you see monkeys and stuff. Wow. It's okay. It was, you know, for 40 days, it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. we were malnourished and, you know, we were definitely like the locals would come and steal our shit. Like they would invite the locals to like stay and go to workshops during the yeah. weekend. But like, what are they going to do at a, a Mooney workshop? nothing mm. they're gonna steal these people's stuff like mm. it makes sense you know <laughs> um, eventually the brazilian government seized that land yeah i remember back. remember hearing about that yeah forget what it was maybe more tax evasion shit i, I don't know yeah or maybe they just figured out as the moonies but yeah yeah i remember hearing about that i remember hearing about that yeah the government coming in and shutting down or something like that like yeah, but at least you had a good time there. I mean, yeah, that was fun. I like that. And it sounds more interesting. Well, it sounds like a better experience than fucking Chungpyong. I mean, yeah, different vibe. Yeah, Chungpyong super serious, and this was kind of more like I don't know. They, I think they wanted us to eventually like move there or something. Okay. Yeah. The, oh yeah, they wanted know. to start like a new utopia down yeah. there. Yeah. It, it had kind of yeah. like jo- Jonestown vibes to. Yeah, it definitely somewhere. did. Yeah. Yeah, I'm scared the shit out of like our parents' families and stuff. I know, yeah. right? Like, you're the, the, the cult that you're in that you say isn't a cult is telling you to move to uh, to, to South America. <laughs> uh, all right, okay, okay. 
Yeah, I must have scared her shitless. Um, fuck, man, that's crazy. Sorry, hold on. I'm just gonna make myself a drink here. Hold on. Well, we can just we can. All right, sounds good. Second, how you feeling over there? All right, I was definitely uh, feeling weird at first, but I'm fine now. All right, cool. Hold on one second. I've been drinking this rum, and it's just like I don't want to drink rum straight up, to be honest. I need something else. What are you drinking over there? Uh, Tito's and seltzer. Oh, what's Tito's? I've heard. Okay. Tito's is good, man. It's like. What is it? I've heard of it, but. It's just a vodka. Okay. I don't know if. Yeah. Yeah, it must be. But it's good. It's kind of new. Okay. Like new ish. But wait, it's. it's It got big like five years, four or five years ago. Okay. Okay. So my brother was telling me, I'm not sure if I. Oh, yeah, I told you my brother lives in DC. He was telling me these like alcoholic seltzers are like really popular in the US. Oh, that's super popular. Yeah. Truly's and yeah, but I just mix it myself. It's like okay, the same thing. yeah, okay. Um, they don't drink that out there. Not so much. Like you're more. If you want something, like you're much more likely. Like I'm just making myself a gin and tonic here. Um, that's okay. something that you're much more likely to find than like a, mm-hmm. I don't know, like a alcoholic seltzer. I just just haven't seen it over here. Um, They're every. I mean, it might just expl- like it. It came like overnight. Okay. Okay. It's like all of a sudden there's nine different brands. All right. So. All right. Um, the beer here is really good though. I, I have to say, um, it's like, if you like like beer with a lot of flavor, um, it's just like, mm. it's a whole nother level over here. Like you know, this place like invented really? ale. Yeah. England, like pretty much invented ale, like, uh-huh. you know, 700 years ago or something like that. Um, and uh yeah so if you like like really flavorful beers it's it's really good um i stopped drinking beer a while ago unfortunately but um if i did it would just display i feel like the beer here is awesome um but yeah no no more beer for me um yeah this is much better um uh so can we get get back into it yeah yeah all right cool um okay so jardine i mean yeah chungpyong oh i'm still i'm still kind of like my mind's still kind of blown by the thought of these kids at Chungpyong. Actually, it just are they still doing that now? Like these these kids with mental problems that being sent there. Uh, I don't even know if Chungpyong's a thing anymore. Okay, well, I, I thought mean, it was. Yeah, I, I really like. I like. I have no idea what the current pulse of the church is for a lot yeah. of things. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, like for example, if like you're gay, you're gonna get sent to Chungpyong. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and that's on so the on, it's just on whatever. That's that's on the principle if you had that. Sex. Yeah, if you had sex, if you had sex, yeah, you, and you, you need to be forgiven. You would go to Chungpyong. If you're gay, yeah, so Chungpyong was sort of a cure-all, so it wasn't yeah. necessarily like. Uh, I mean, there was a hospital, and there was like a, a mental aspect to it yeah. for a lot of people. But it's always hush hush, so you're kind of yeah. piecing things together even after mm. the fact. You know what I mean? So. I'm going by the best my memory is from 10 years ago. Yeah. But, okay. Or more 50, 20 years ago. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, all right. So what did you, all right. So you, you did, did the GOP, you did Chungpyong, you did Jardim, you grew up in, in the New York area. So it's, it's pretty like fair to say that you were like well entrenched in the unification church like throughout your your upbringing yeah definitely okay like uh i didn't really bother making too many friends in high school like i had friends 
um, who I grew up with or maybe some play from playing sports, but essentially my friends were the BCs I hung out with on the weekend. Yeah. Okay. And B- BCs meaning blessed children, kids, kids who grew up in, uh, yeah. In cult. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And can you, can you sort of kind of talk through kind of what, um, like what precipitated you ending up leaving the church? Um, that's a really fascinating topic of conversation. Um, and yeah, I would love to kind of hear about your, your journey out of it. And it will probably, there's probably a few steps before then. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I would just kind of love to love to hear that in your words. Yeah. So I think for a lot of people, for some people it's right away, but for most people it's a process and you don't leave. It's not like a day where you leave, right? Mm-hmm. You're not just not in the Mooney the next yeah. day. It's more like, so for me, it's like, okay, in high school, maybe this doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to go to STF, which is like, basically like a year or two year long like mission trip like similar to what the mormons do but Mm -hmm. you're selling stuff for the church instead of i don't know what mormons do but yeah we just go out in a van and we sell shit right so so you didn't you have good you did that for one or two years i did that for three months three (laughs) okay okay but i thought like I went into it thinking like, all right, I'm going to give two years of my life to this and my faith will be solidified for the rest of my life, you know, mm. and that's worth it. But, you know, it's, it's, I mean, you could imagine like selling shit for like eight hours a day in like Georgia in the summer. Mm. That shit sucks, man. So like I broke my <laughs> finger on it. Yeah. Like I broke okay. my thumb. So I had to come home. Okay. And when I came home, I saw all the people that graduated STF uh, before I got there, the ones who were like giving speeches and like pumping me up to go, you know, like I would mm. see them at church giving lectures on how important it was to go to STF. Yeah. And yeah. so when I came back after I broke my thumb to go to the hospital or get it all, whatever, yeah, uh, they were all drinking, partying, and they were like, oh, wow. within okay. three months, they were like kind of out of the church. Okay. So after my thumb got better, I did go back to SDF, but once you see like your sources of inspiration are not so into it and like, yeah, you know, once you're out of that environment and thrown back into it, it's not easy. So I quit after three weeks of that ba- uh, or something like that after going back. Okay. Um, so that was great. Like <laughs> I'm very grateful for breaking my thumb. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. 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 Okay. Oh uh, yeah, can you explain what matanage is? It's just like Korean dodgeball or something, or Japanese. Yeah, dodgeball. I think it's Japanese dodgeball, but it's this yeah. weird game that every single kid who grew up like ends up playing at summer camp and workshops and stuff like that, and on the weekends. But um, yes. Yeah, so after that, I was still in it. You know what I mean? Like I was like less and less believing, but like still wasn't drinking. I still wasn't dating. Yeah. Um, I didn't really. I just kind of didn't think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just like, I still wanted to get blessed. Yeah. Uh, I still want to do all that. Um, started drinking when I turned 21, quickly started experimenting with anything mm. uh, I could put in my body. Okay. So that helped a bit. And I was kind of like leaning towards leaving. And then I met like a really nice girl in the church. So as soon as you meet like, a cute girl in the church first thing you think is like oh i can get married to this girl yeah i can have sex 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Like, so we, st- and wait, you know, know, what, what age are you at this point? 22. Yeah. This is completely reasonable to be thinking about having sex. Like, come on. Cause I like, I don't know if, I don't know who our audience is, but I don't, I don't want that sex until we're married. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so basically I meet this girl and within two weeks we're engaged, like Mooney engaged, Whoa. church. Engaged, okay. Yeah. Matched. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So that kind of kept me in, even though like we didn't really believe it, but like, you know, you can make your parents happy just by yeah. being blessed, blessed being means married in the church. Um, so that, that was cool. I get for a while and then yeah. it kind of ended. And then when it ended, uh, that's probably when I officially let, like, okay. I was definitely out during the relationship. I was in the relationship because before I met her, was when like the Sammy Moon stuff started coming out. Okay. The uh, yeah. So Sammy Moon is the illegitimate child of the Messiah, mm-hmm. and the number one thing you can't do in this church is have sex outside of marriage. It's like, yeah. the worst thing. You you go to hell. Blah blah blah. Yeah. It like outcasts you from like your whole group, and the Messiah had an illegitimate child who they kind of hid away, had another family raise him, you know. And so when that info came out uh i was checked out but then i met a girl that was in the church and so we kind of just a lot of people will get blessed just to make their parents happy right yeah i mean that's basically what i did i I know i I know that 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 was kind of very effectively what i did and it's like we don't know how to talk to like outside girls anyway like yeah we were like so it's just yeah i I could talk to a bc girl yeah so that's basically what happened yeah but like Basically, I left with Sammy Moon, Injanim, mm. the the whole uh, the whole how well do you know your moon thing? Yeah, it, that's gonna come up because uh, a lot of people told me like that's how they left. Yeah, you know, that's why they left. Yeah, so yeah, and just just for the record, how well do you know your moon is a it's a website. I'm sure I'll link to it when this when this goes live. But um, it's a very well documented. Uh, breakdown of all the corruption and insanity and bullshit in the unification church um yep i mean they had the they had a pretty big moment when they got the uh birth certificate yeah of the current leader of the church had a, a an affair had a baby with someone else and then the birth certificate was leaked to the website yeah and that led for to a lot of the, a young, the younger generation leaving yeah i think it did so, i think it did yeah 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 um there's more i can say about that site but uh i'll let future okay okay all right all right that sounds good that sounds good um do yeah but i mean i have to i have to say my my hat is off to that to that site and i'm I'm hoping that you know this project can sort of serve as sort of a, a companion piece to 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 that where you know that's where all the that's where the sort of that's where the, the, the documentation goes. Uh, and then these are the stories that fall between the documentation effectively. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's kind of what I'd, what I'd like to, to do with this. Um, mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I guess that all that is to say is my, it's my, you know, my, my hat's off to that, to that website. Cause I think, as you say, it's, it's helped a lot of people kind of like understand what's happening and, and leave this crazy cold. Um, so how long, how long were you together with this woman? Three years. So we were engaged yeah. for a year and married for two. 
Okay. And what was it like when it ended or how, like how and, and, and why did it, did it end? If I can ask, we can skip that if you want as well. Yeah. I mean, it sucks when it ends, right? Cause you yeah. went your whole life for this one person and you, you know, they really build up this whole marriage idea. Right. I mean, you yeah. save yourself. Like you're one yeah. of those weirdos that saves themselves for marriage. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and also I think it's worth mentioning, like, not only do you save yourself, but the, the church bigs it up by, by saying like, this is the person that the universe has chosen for you. Uh, they, they have been specifically like effectively like designed by God to be your eternal spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, don't ever talk to girls before this, but then once you're in this marriage, boom, you know, do, go for mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. That, that's, that's the amount of pressure that's put on it. Uh, and, and also the message that we were given as kids is like your, your entire, the entire purpose of your existence is to have this marriage and to have babies out of this marriage. Uh, mm-hmm. And if, and if you don't do that, then you're going to the worst pits of hell effectively. Uh, so there's all, yeah. all that is to say, there's a lot of pressure on it. Sorry. I didn't mean to and you also like, you have to marry a second gen, right? Yeah. Like you can't marry outside of the church or someone who joined the church. Yeah. Like it has to be because we are apparently sinless uh uh yeah so since our parents were blessed in the church got married in the church their kids were then born without sin according to this religion yeah so then it was like a big deal for us we had to marry another bc and then have third generation kids yeah all that but you know it sucks like a lot of people ended up in in marriages and relationships they shouldn't have been in because you know like i mean i had friends get married at like 18 Mm-hmm. And friends get married in high school. Yeah. You know, when I was when I was 19, they did like a random matching, like mm-hmm. true father started blessing kids again. Yeah. So I went from like within a week, like three or four of my closest friends were engaged and married. And it was just like yeah. last week things were normal. Now you're you got a wife. You know? Yeah. And how many of those marriages are still intact now? That I know of, one. Okay. At, and like that's probably out of the whole group. Probably yeah. like maybe out of the whole group, there's probably a few people I don't know. But like, okay. I mean, you know, and it's kind of crazy though, right? Like, shouldn't the Messiah have a better hit rate than like two percent or one yeah. percent? You know? Yeah. Exactly. If 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 it supposedly is this culmination of the universe, you know, creating someone specifically for you. And then being guided by the Messiah, like, you know, you should have a pretty fucking good hit rate. Um, and like, I mean, I don't know if people know, he's basically choosing, right? He chooses yeah. for this particular matching. And this is also how our parents yes. got, got married, right? Yeah. Was, yeah. He, there'd be one side of women, one side of men, and he would just point back and forth. And yeah, you're pretty much going to get married if he yeah. points, you know, what he points yeah. to you, so. yeah. And then there was like, the, I remember there was a time when he would do it by photos. So like people from all over the world would send in like photos and application forms, basically. Um, and I remember seeing like a photo or a video of him. Like they had this huge room it's somewhere in Korea, I, I guess, where like they had all of the applicant, like photos of all the applicants like lined up basically uh, on, on like a whole bunch of, of shelves. Uh, and he would like look at one picture and point at it and then go to like, you know, walk across the room to some other shelf and like point at another picture. Uh, and then boom, those people were married. Um, 
and that's how it was done. And there's definitely like, because uh, they, over time, they started doing it so parents could match their kids. Yeah. But there would be like, there would be events where your parents would go and they'd like scope out a whole bunch of different pictures like mm-hmm. on the wall with little blurbs about these people. Yeah. And you're just like shopping for husbands and wives for your kids. Yep. Yeah. It's all weird shit. Yeah. There was, I, I know, I know at one point, like when I was going through all this, there, there was like some sort of online, they, they tried to, I mean, this is in the, like the early days of the internet. I'm sure it's all, it must have some online thing now as well. But... PCCandidates.com was a thing. I had a password. <laughs> Yeah, I had someone's parents' passwords, so I was always scoping that, trying to see if there was any, <laughs> any girls from around the world. Amazing. Uh, it's wild. It's like, look it up. BC, bccandidates.com. Okay, okay I'm going to look it up afterwards. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> but, like, when you grow up in this church, like, you'll see, like, a hot girl in England and be like, okay, yeah, that totally makes sense that I would date this person. Yeah. Side of the different part of the yeah. world, you know? Yeah. Yeah, hold on. I'm I'm gonna look it up right now. It's hold on. Let's let's check it out. Let's check it out. BCCandidates.com. Please tell me this site is up. BCCandidates.com. Oh uh, no, it's, it's not there. It's a tragedy. Oh. It's a tragedy. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Yeah, that whole that whole, the whole the 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 matching kind of went through a few different paradigms of like how it was done. And so when you did it, you met this girl. You guys liked each other. Yeah, I'm assuming this was like when the parents were matching, and you could go to your parents and be like, "Hey, we, yeah. we want to do this." Okay. Yeah, and at that point, like I was already kind of like angry at the church and whatever. So my parents were just like, definitely going to say yes to mm. whoever I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that was cool though. Like I ended up moving to Australia for a year and okay, living there. So nice. I mean, like, All right. it wasn't a bad first real relationship. Okay. Okay. And wait, wait, did you had you did you know her in person before you got married, or or did you just like scope yeah. her out online? No, we had met like four years earlier, three years earlier in Korea. I was visiting for something, and okay. she was actually teaching. She was like an assistant dorm parent at Cop. Okay. So I was visiting the dorm and I saw her. Okay. And then whatever. That was just where we met. Nothing happened. Okay. Okay. Nothing. But um, then she moved to New York a few years later. Okay. And we started hanging out. And that's when everyone started to kind of like, that's when like the BCs were partying together. Like, uh, that's a fun part about growing up in a cult is when you all hmm. discover drinking together. And, like, <laughs> you're like, in, it's like you're in college, but you feel like you're like high school kids. You know, like yeah. finally fucking being kind of normal. Yeah. But, so, you know, we went to a few parties together and just one thing led to another. Okay. And then two weeks later, we're engaged. Okay. Wow. Jesus. Um, and are you, okay, so obviously, like, that relationship ended after, after like you said, three years. Um, are, you, are, you, are you guys still, like, still on good terms or, like, what, you know, what, what does that look like? If I can ask and we, we can skip it if you want. Yeah, um, we talked, like, we definitely weren't on good terms for a while. And then she okay. called me and we kind of talked it out a year or two, maybe, like, three years ago at this point. Okay. But, like, she's definitely in the gun cult. Like, and she's oh. definitely proud of it. Like, I see her comment, like, I don't feel bad saying this because she's all over their Instagram account commenting about how, like, you know, they're doing a real good job for God. Fuck. Okay, I just want to pause there because so people <laughs> understand what you're talking about. So 
Gun Cult is the, it's called Sanctuary Church. It's the offshoot of the Unification Church that's run by Sean Moon, Sean Moon, excuse me. Um, they've achieved a certain amount of infamy over the last few years. That infamy, in my view, should fucking skyrocket right now because they were one of the, the goddamn insur- treasonous insurrectionists on the steps of the Capitol three days ago on the 6th of January. And we're recording this on the 9th of January. Uh, so mm-hmm. you're saying your ex-wife is now a member of that cult and seems to be a pretty vocal one. For the repeat listeners, you may recognize the infamous gun cult that has been referenced previously. Yes, this is the same gun cult that was referenced in episode 7 and 8 in my conversations with Akina Cox, whose parents are part of this gun cult. Back to the interview. Yeah, I mean, she was definitely commenting on like those videos and like supporting them. And Wow. I mean, she's in it. And, you know... Fuck, dude. That's the thing, you know, people who leave cults join cults a lot of times. Yeah. Right? And her parents are in the gun cult. So it's just like, whoa. It's wild, though, because when I was there, they were so proud of Australia for getting rid of guns because yeah. Australia did a gun buyback in the 80s or whatever. So yeah, they, yeah. They're they like a big guns. success story for gun control, basically. Yeah, but now, you know. Wow. You know, it just so- shows you can believe whatever. Jesus Christ, man! I'm I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Anyone? Anyway, I mean, yeah, it sucks. She's happy, but at least you know, at least they can't get guns. Hmm. You know. What do you mean? They... Oh, so she's, she's in Australia. Australia. I thought yeah, she. So I, I thought she meant she was in the U.S. Okay. No, no. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. Okay, so she's part of the gun cult, but from afar, from Australia. Okay. That gun cult's wild, man. They got bullet crowns. Yeah. I mean, anyone who. Anyone who listens to this podcast probably has already seen it, but like, yeah, just like there's a vice thing on it, right? And yeah, there's, there's a lot. It's pretty, it's pretty gross. But yeah, I mean, it's re- I mean, yeah, it's it, it's been bad for a while, and it's gotten worse mm-hmm. in the last few days. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really the last yeah week, it's kind of they're out there again. Like, it's really, they're really out there. But yeah, it's kind of wild how like their leader the gun cult leader was you know he tried his monk thing where he was a monk yeah. and he tried to get like a following like that yeah. and then it didn't get he didn't get a following yeah and then he he like just pivoted to guns yeah which which his brother owns a gun company his mm. brother owns car arms yeah right so like that's weird yeah in itself right yeah um but I mean, there's, there's, there are quite a few cults within the cult, and that's gonna happen in a cult. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, especially one where the where the leader dies and leaves yeah. all the kids that have this, you know, yeah. all sorts of mental complexes, and mm. you know, yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna. But but specifically, if the guy has thirteen kids, then those are just the mm-hmm. legitimate ones. Then there's gonna be a lot of people that wanna that wanna claim his throne effectively. Definitely. Um. Damn, man! I didn't realize. I, I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, I mean, it sounds like, you know, probably it's probably a good thing you're no longer with this woman for for a number of reasons. Oh. Yeah, I mean, she's a good person. She's just misguided. Yeah, she just, she goes with the flow of her surroundings and. Okay. But, yeah. Okay. Dodge a bullet, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. Jesus. <laughs> Um, yeah, and actually, no, that's actually not something that I've talked about on this on this show yet is that whole relationship between 
Sean Moon and Car Arms. Um, and so what do you know about that? I mean, I know his brother, the brother that owns Car Arms definitely has a good relationship with Sean Moon, right? Like yeah. they, they'll, they'll do things together yeah. within the sanctuary church. So, I mean, they'll even have like one of, uh, is it Eric Trump or one of those Trumps yeah. goes to like their openings, like store openings yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's, Car Arms has been in existence for a while. Yeah. It's just weird that like your brother owns a gun company and then you, uh, you started a cult where your members bring guns to church. Yeah. Like you, you these were hippies, man. Like these I know. people that joined this church were, you yeah, know, they had I, good I, motivations and now they're fucking psychos. Yeah. I mean, in, in a way that's a, to me, that's the saddest part is that all these people, like I, I, I legitimately think all of our parents that joined this had good intentions, like that, but I feel like their idealism was manipulated um, mm-hmm. to the point like, you know, they were severely taken advantage of, you know, to the point that they can't see anything for what it is. Uh, and, and they can't see how they've been manipulated and the impacts that it's had on their families. And at this point, like, is there a point of them even seeing? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, I, it would suck to be like 40 years into something. And yeah. then I was like, oh, I gave my life to this. Yeah. But it's kind of all bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I have... I have a family and kids. That's cool. But like, you know, for, for my parents or whatever. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, it's kind of, kind of sad. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think, I know I've thought about that a lot with regards to my family and other folks that, you know, grew up like us, like at the end of the day, I think it's never too late to say mm-hmm. I was wrong. Um, because because the, the the past is a is a sunk cost. You can't do anything about it. All you, all, all you can make a decision on now is is right now and the future. Uh, and if if you're part of something that is evil or wrong or doesn't align with your values, then it's okay to say, "Look, I was wrong. Uh, you know, you know, I, I, I screwed up. Sorry, guys. Like, let me let me try and make some amends here and just move on. Uh, like, and I think I think that's a hard thing for people to do, but it, that's the thing right it makes sense yeah. for them to do that but it's yeah. so hard for some of the, their brain's gonna fight that you know yeah. it's, it has been fighting that for more than you know they, they've had to ignore so much shit yeah like when you find out your messiah has an illegitimate child yeah. and you find out all this stuff like you got to just pack that away and ignore it yeah 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 exactly but yeah, i guess if, if anything that's kind of like the one thing that i would just kind of like hope people get out of any of these conversations is like it's okay to change your mind if the, you know if the if the signs are telling you that things are wrong like there's there's strength in saying look i screwed up i'm out um you know that's 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 the strong thing to do it's not the weak thing to do um mm-hmm. but i mean i hear you I, I think a lot of people are not very likely to make that choice um what do you okay let's uh i mean yeah this whole gun gun cult thing is crazy um and yeah i think i think i'm actually i i hope that one of my next guests will be able to go like really deep on that topic because they're they're really uh, cool. uh, would you ever get someone still in would you ever get oh uh, uh, so yeah i mean why not i guess i'm, I'm open-minded uh, I guess as I've, as I've thought about this project, I've thought, okay, let me start with, you know, kids that grew up in this cult, but, uh, 
Mm-hmm. I'm open-minded to talk to like people that grew up in other cults. I think that would actually be mm-hmm. really interesting. Um, I'm also like open to talking to like first generation folks from our cult. Um, I think that's good. Um, but like people from splinter groups that are still in the splinter groups, maybe. I, I mean, it'd be like, very like, they like to be, they're very vocal. Yeah. So like they will jump at the opportunity to speak their truth or whatever okay yeah i mean maybe i should look it's you know you know fuck it okay yeah this is this is an open invitation if any (laughs) if uh you know i I may regret this but um you know this goes public look me up and uh, we'll set up an interview um i hope i I hope i don't regret saying that but (laughs) um but look you, you know we're here to we're here to speak about the 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 truth of the experience that we've been through I'm open to other people talking about their other experiences, but, um, you know, I also want to have a conversation that's grounded in reality and evidence. Um, Mm -hmm. and people need to be willing to be challenged on, on reality and evidence. Uh, Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, that, that's part of having this discussion. Uh, I mean, that group is not based in reality. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's very like QA non kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, um yep. which makes sense though like you you start believing you know basically you'll believe anything right if you're mm-hmm. in a gun cult yeah so. yeah yeah exactly. i mean that's like i i thought the moonies were crazy and then when i saw those guys it's like fuck man you guys have just taken it you know 10 10 levels further it's fucking mm-hmm. wild jesus christ that's the thing like part of it is people like people who join cults they like get off on thinking they know more they know the yeah. secret truth yeah right so then when their whole community also knows this truth maybe they have an urge to find more truth that you know a smaller mm. group that knows more than the, the bigger group i don't mm. know no that's actually really uh, insightful I, I think that's i think you're i think that's spot on because i i know that that is one of the core ways that cults function is this idea that like we have this truth that no one else has um mm-hmm. yeah if that if all of a sudden then you spend your whole life within a group that has that truth then maybe you want to go another level beyond which is like the, mm-hmm. the next level of truth that that group doesn't have um makes them feel better about themselves smarter yeah more in the know yeah I, oh, for sure for sure uh, and i definitely know like QAnon people um have that in spades um you know like they, they think they're smart they think they see something that everyone else doesn't see uh, and they they find a lot of value in themselves in that um and they i think and it's my belief is because they're, they're not getting value they're not feeling valued in other ways so they have to go and find it in that way unfortunately mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah um damn um so okay so it, it sounds like you know you had this this sort of like th- there was no specific step that that kind of kicked you out but it was kind of like the sammy pock revelations kind of seeing your elders getting, you know, drinking. Um, uh, and then, I mean, were there any other sort of like turning points in your, in your journey out of the church? Blessing broke. It was yeah. like, okay, now I'm officially cutting the ties to the church. Right? Okay. So like, okay. Nothing's holding me and I don't have to go to church anymore. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to pretend to be anything to someone else's parents. Yeah. Like to her parents, I thought to kind of show up at church or whatever. You yeah. Now, then at like so when i was, yeah when that broke i was kind of finally free yeah um 
And how does it, how does it feel? Like, like what's it, what's it, what, I mean, and well, how many years ago was that? And, and what's life been like since then? I guess it's been like eight or nine years. Uh, there's okay. an adjustment, right? Like you kind of have to, you start from scratch on dating. Like that's yeah. one thing that can't be overemphasized. I think mm. is like a lot of people, like everyone follows the rules to their own limits, right? Within the, when they're growing up. So I definitely didn't know how to flirt, mm. know how to talk to girls, yeah. ask a girl on a date. Yeah. Like I, I was single basically the first time in my life when I was 27. Really. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. that's when my blessing broke before that. Even when I was 19 and single, I wasn't single. Mm. You know, I was married to my future yeah. wife. In, yeah. Anyway, you know? yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't prepare you for real life, uh, yeah. for the real, you know. So at first it sucked. Yeah. And then, like, luckily for me, like, I guess it was like a year after my blessing broke, all the apps started coming out. Like Tinder came out. Uh, okay. All right. And that could kind of like speed up your. You can go on like 20 dates over the course. Like, with, you could date yeah. like 10, 20 people in the summer. You know what I mean? Like, you can go on yeah. the first date three times a week. If you wanted you know I mean? to, yeah. If you, if you, if you, yeah, if, you, if, you wanted, if you wanted to, you could have like a date every night of the week, basically. Yeah. If that, if that was your goal. So, like, I mean, that wouldn't have been possible unless you were a super charismatic person yeah. uh, before that, right? Yeah. So, at least I was able to catch myself up to speed and, like, learn how to, like, talk to a girl. Yeah. But, like, still, I would do st- stupid shit, man. Like, I would – because, like, when I, when I was single after ending my blessing, like, I kind of wanted to be single for a little bit. Or, like, I would – I would go on dates with really – people I had really good vibes with and mm-hmm. we'd date for a few weeks and then I would cut it off or whatever. Cause like, I didn't want to marry them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but I'm 26, 27, like we can date for a few months or whatever. See how it is. I don't need to like yeah. decide if I'm going to marry you. Yeah. After yeah. Three, you know what I mean? Like my head was yeah. all fucked up and like yeah. I get overly attached and that would put some people off for like, I would get attached and they would get attached and I would just kind of, you know, it didn't make me a, I mean, I was probably a shitty person to date. I mean, I was definitely a shitty person to date because I'm okay. still single, right? So, <laughs> uh, it definitely, yeah, I mean, it didn't prepare me for real life dating. Yeah. Yeah. I and knew. it got me to like, like, uh, sorry, I'm like, yeah, no worries. My last, my last relationship was a long distance relationship, right? Like, yeah. and I started that when I was 33. So, like, well out of the church, but like, yeah. Would I have been willing to date someone across the world if I didn't grow up in a cult where that was so normal? Like, yeah, probably not. I would say definitely not. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. I mean, she's a great person, and I don't regret the relationship. We're yeah. still friends, so yeah, you know, it's all good on that. But like, it definitely molds, you know. Yeah, it creates this. It creates this this false, like this really this really warped expectation that like, if I'm with this person, I have to be with them forever. Um, and you know, you, you have to go from zero to a hundred overnight mm-hmm. basically. Uh, and I did, I definitely know like for myself, I, I felt the same way, uh, you know, when my marriage ended, which is a lot longer than yours, but it was mm-hmm. the same thing. I was like single for the first time at the age of 37 effectively. Um, and, um, 
I will say like the dates, the, the dating apps helped for sure. Um, mm-hmm. just, to like, kind of like you, like, I didn't know how to ask a girl out. Um, if mm-hmm. I was like, I would be at a bar and people would like, like, you know, friends of mine, guy friends of mine would like, like literally have to like shove me into a girl to, for me to talk to, for, or like, you know, buy us both a drink and then disappear. So that I had no choice, but to talk to this girl to like, you know, just to have a conversation with someone. Uh, I just, I had no idea how to like express that type of interest. And I'm still, I know what that's like, man. I still can't talk. Like, I still can't talk to a girl. There's no, like, there's no mm-hmm. app that will get me to approach a girl. Like there's nothing yeah. for that. Yet. Like, yeah. It's almost as if like, so if I'm on a date, we, it's like, I could talk to a girl in the church if there's a reason to, if I have like permission in my head from like, whatever, I don't know if we're doing like a church thing or whatever. Yeah. So when someone's on a date with me, it's almost as if like, I know that they're okay being here. So I'm okay with talking to them and I'm free. Yeah. Like to disrupt someone's time at a bar. Like I don't have like the kind of mindset where like i can go up to someone and say they get they can be checking me out and i'm not gonna go up to them yeah I, there's a lot of shit i gotta untangle I yeah know that, you know but yeah i mean i think we all do everyone everyone who's grown up who's grown up here um but yeah i i, I do think the apps have kind of just helped to like at least for me it just it just helps like to it, makes the first step easier which is like just kind of like establishing some sort of interest and like you know mm-hmm. it's okay to like have a conversation here um mm-hmm. which is not something that i ever felt comfortable like not a gap that i ever felt comfortable bridging on my own in the mm-hmm. past um yeah but it's uh yeah i, I feel you it's, it's it's been a it's been a tough journey for me as well um yeah do you um what are your what are your kind of like what are, what are your views on on relationships now like like what do you think success looks like after having that like you know a, an incredibly strong vision of what success must look like in a relationship like what do you what do you view that as now um it's i'm still kind of figuring that out so like i'm tinkering with the idea of non-monogamy i see okay. like the the ideal of that and I get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of the opposite of what we were grown to. Like, yeah. we were, I think I was, the way we were raised makes you almost possessive in a way. Or mm. there's something like, you know, because you have one person chosen for you, right? So, like, it's not it's not like a healthy way to look at a relationship. Um, I don't know if I could do non-monogamy. Mm. Like, though, it's like a 180 from what we were raised Yeah. With. But, like, I do see... I'm open to it, you know, like, mm. and now it makes sense. Like we're, you kind of have the best of both worlds. Ideally, I suppose I'd like a relationship where you could, one person is enough. Who the fuck knows? Like I, I'm kind of rediscovering myself right now in the last yeah. six months or so. So okay. all my beliefs are kind of for this next like phase of my life. I'm kind of forming them and yeah. kind of as we go. So and I think that's fair. Like when we, we had everything shoved down our throat, like we, like when, when you're out that like now's the time to, to try and figure it out. Like, like literally like mm-hmm. re-examine, re-examine everything. Um, have you, uh, uh, I'm just thinking about non-monogamy. Have you listened to, uh, to the, the Savage Love cast with Dan Savage? 
I've listened to episodes, but okay. not like a lot. Okay. Yeah. I've listened. I like that's that has actually been really like informative for me. Like it's actually listening to it before my ex-wife and I broke up. And mm. he kind of he talked about this concept of like it was the first time anyone ever said, look, relationships success is is not defined by its length. Uh and you can you know, relationships, you can have a relationship for a night, a day, a year, a week, a decade, a lifetime, like those can all be successful relationships. And a lot of it comes down to like the, the way you treat the person at the end of the relationship. Um, and so you kind of like, I don't know, for me, that was actually really, I don't know, just, it just kind of blew my mind. I was like, wait, hold on. Hold, like, hold, like I could get divorced and like, that could be okay. Um, that's mm-hmm. not like, that's not the end of the world. That doesn't make me a failure. Like, and actually that relationship can be a success. Um, so he kind of opened my eye eyes to that idea and i think that was really helpful and i would certainly i would encourage anyone like in our shoes to to listen to that podcast because he just has such a different perspective on it than than we do um and he also talks about non-monogamy in there in there as well like he's he just yeah it's just it's just it's it's a perennial topic on on his show um and, and i think that's a really interesting you know for people who are considering it to like talk to someone who's like lived and breathed it and been there and been like a you know relationship advice coach for like ever basically um i just think it's an interesting interesting perspective that blew my mind to 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 hear um like when my marriage was ending but also now like i still i still listen to and it's still still eye-opening to hear that perspective because yeah it'd be nice to be raised in a society where non-monogamy was the norm I think switching mm. to it is very hard. It's yeah. like you kind of really got to get over a lot of shit, right? Yeah. Uh, but it is an easier way to go, right? Like if you can be, you can trust your partner. Like, you know, I don't know. That that being said, I, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm open. I'm open to listening to about listening to it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, 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 but it does. I mean, it just, I think it's a fair question to ask when like we were told like, like the only job of your life is to be monogamous uh, and, and, and only sleep with the person that we tell you to like, fuck it. Like, you know, like, let's just remove all the layers of that and just start over, like start from the, from the basics. Like, and, mm-hmm. and I think it's completely fair to ask that question and think like, what do you, what do you want here? What does the success look like there? And I don't know if I would ever do it, but I think it's a fair question to ask that's it's completely fair like for me growing up success in life and in my relationship was just you know i get married at like 20 yeah. and money doesn't matter because i have this person right like yeah. you know like i never thought about my future career i didn't think yeah. about like what i was going to do i was like all right well i'll be happy because i i'll be with so and so and yeah we'll have four you know, nice third gen children. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was just, uh, I don't know, man. It didn't, per- like, I, w- I would have been content living in my parents' basement, you know, yeah. with my wife and until we had children. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was, and that would be success. Yeah. And, and now my, my view of success is definitely a lot different. Yeah. It's funny. I know, I know people like that who like, that was, that was, they're like, it doesn't matter. I'll just get married to this person. That's the only thing. Like, 
can live in a basement. Like I don't need to think about my future. I don't need to think about my career. You already did the best thing you could possibly do. Yeah. Like you got blessed, right? Like yeah. that's your whole value is like, like there are no family, there, there are no Moonies that are single and without children. You know, like your whole value comes from the fact that you're married and have children. Yeah. If you don't have children, you have no value in this, in this car. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's where you get all like, if you could do that, you already won. Yeah. In my head. Yeah. Back then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, I think that's kind of like what was like kind of driving me when I decided to get, you know, to get blessed, to get married within the church was like, I could just do this. And then like my, like my parents will just think it's a win and then I can just move on with my life basically. Um, I, th- I think that was you know, a, a lot of people, a lot of people in our shoes kind of, kind of had that same, that same thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you, I'm just trying to think. So some of the other, um, some of the other threads that I wanted to, to talk about. So um, you talked earlier, you talked about kind of when you were leaving the church, you started drinking and also, and also uh, taking every, every other, uh, any, anything else you put in your body. Folks, there you have it. The end of part one of my interview with Hainam Gehring. I hope you will stick around for part two. It's going to be good. We talk about psychedelics. We go deep into psychedelics and the difference they have made in his life. That's a really interesting conversation, something that I've been fascinated by for years before even starting this podcast. Um, We talk about corruption. We talk about the politics of the unification church and how it's been scratching the back of the right wing for ages. And we also talk about the sad reality of kids dying when they are um, out doing mission work, fundraising for this so-called religion. And guess where that money's going? Right back into that fucking palace in Korea. Thanks again to Hey Nam for getting involved. And I hope you will stick around for part two.